It's Tempo Waffle Time! Welcome to a podcast where we talk about breakfast foods. No, we don't. Oh, pancakes. Welcome to... No, I know. Wait, wait, wait. I've got it. Uh, tea fell... Pancakes. pancakes? No. No. This is a podcast where we talk about... The guy driving, <laughs> driving past outside that no one can hear except us. Would no. you like to buy a broom? We, yes. No. We are talking about Tefl mm-hmm. uh, in the context of no plan, just waffling. Circuitousness. Now, imagine if you taught your lessons like this. That would be a disaster. Well, we've normally got a lesson aim. We just... Oh, we have a lesson aim. We have a lesson aim. We just have no plan of no, but, but, there. but in a lesson, we have a strategy in terms of procedure. So set the students into pairs, get them talking to each other, consider what to do next. Uh, yes, yeah, so there's on. some structure and there's a whole bunch of handouts that you've got ready. Well, we, got... Have, we have structure here as well. Um, normally what happens is one of us chooses a topic and then we waffle about that topic in... Yes. in in circles for half an hour. And so today is my turn to have a topic, and my topic today is related to COVID. So, Ooh. yeah, okay. So the the thing is that we've been um, teaching remotely now for over a year. Yeah. Um, students are supposed to be studying at home. Supposed to be, yes. Right, well and teachers are supposed to be teaching at home or whatever. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of things that have happened over the last... I don't year know, 15 months or something yeah. like that where we've run into trouble we've solved it and we're getting to a point now where teaching online is actually becoming Normal. manageable yeah okay manageable I mean there are aspects <clears throat> there are aspects of teaching online which are actually quite fun such as you don't have to drive to work oh and you can wear shorts under your desk and you you have the option of Preparing material and and feeding to the students in real time. You know, there's no handing out of material. There's no handing out, but uh, I wouldn't agree necessarily with the real time thing. I mean, there's always that. There's there's, a lag. Yeah, there's a lag. There's a digital delay. There's a that student can't open that thing. Yeah, and that student drops out, and you and and or that student's gone black, and you don't. Okay, so there are problems, sure, and these are things that. But now, what I want to talk about today. The question of digital literacy. So we think about teaching in terms of teaching skills. Uh, wait, the teacher's skill in teaching They're or trying. teaching the student's skills? <laughs> that was a very well, well, confused... Yes, either of those. When, when we teach, we have a series of teaching strategies that we use, yep. things like eliciting and so on. And when we're teaching skills, we have a particular way yeah. of doing that. But but with COVID, what's happened now is we've got a series of digital literacies which are not actually part of language teaching or traditionally part of language teaching, traditionally part of a language teacher skill set, and I think um, part of the student skill set too. That's right. I mean, students are pretty good at using telephones and so on, but not necessarily for studies' sake. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things that teachers and students both need to learn how to do now if teaching on teaching and learning online are going to become the norm. Okay. So I want to talk about digital literacies and what a, what a teacher and student would need to know how to do in order to successfully navigate a lesson online. 
Okay. okay. So one of those, for example, is using Google Forms. Okay. So as a teacher, I've never needed to use Google Forms, except now I need to use you Google use. Forms. Also. Okay. And then, of course, your students need to be able to use Google Forms as well. Right. And then you need to be able to see what your students have done on those forms. Right. Because using the form and setting up the form and getting feedback from the form, yeah. you, you've got three things you have to learn. Uh, and you, you, as the teacher, are supposed to know that thing well enough that you can teach somebody else to do it. But that somebody else that you're teaching to do it isn't actually there anyway. You're trying to teach somebody how to do something, but by getting them to do it, even though they're not there, because it's remote. At the beginning of this podcast, we spoke about how circuitous we can, how circuitously we can speak about um, inane things. There we go. All Troy right. has proven a point. Okay, so yeah, you've got to learn how to use Google Forms or whatever. Okay, that, well, that's one. And teach someone, and they've got to learn to use it. Yes. Okay. Okay, and then there's also things like being able to identify and use new um, uh, uh, products that have come up, like wall. I don't know what there's something called flower wall or something like that, which all the teachers. I've tried a whole bunch of them. Uh, Padlet. Padlet. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, what's that? Uh, what's one with the stupid well, name? Kahoot. So, so the thing is, it's not just learning how to use it, but then learning to remember that you've got that thing As a that tool. you can use. Yeah, yeah. because I, I'm introduced to one and I, I play with it and I think, wow, that's pretty cool, like Kahoot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then I forget that I know about it. And then somebody says, oh, why don't you try Kahoot? And I go, oh, Kahoot, yeah, that would be fun. And then I use it. And then I forget about it. Uh, and then you use another one and realize that was really fun. And so you, you try to use it again and realize, wait a second, that takes an hour and a half to set up that five-minute task. Yeah. And I waste 15 minutes of class time yeah, and then getting get the, the students point, to do it. Uh, um, I remember that there was a thing that I found where students can record a presentation and put it onto like a thing and then everybody can watch the presentation which one is that and I can't remember <laughs> okay so there's that um, right and then there's things like learn, knowing how to use uh, YouTube Okay. so everybody knows how to use YouTube but YouTube has a whole bunch of functions which are really good for teachers for example there are there's a function where you can switch on um, closed captions subtitles closed captions subtitles okay what's the difference no one's ever asked me that question before. <laughs> I don't know. Why does it have two names? Anyway, and then there's also a thing where you can have a transcript of what it is that they're talking about, which runs parallel to what they're talking about. That's okay. amazing. For, as a teaching, as a yeah, teaching I've tool. Yeah, I've been shown that, but I've never actually used it because it's like, wait, where's that thing again? Yeah, well, that's and I the gave problem. Up. And then searching on YouTube. So there's a whole way of searching for things on YouTube, which is really cool. So... I want a song that's got this grammar point, but not that. And you can do that on YouTube, plus this, minus that, in inverted commas. Um, and nobody knows how to do that. But Horribly enough, I used to know how to do that stuff because you forgot, I right? was, well, I was personally interested in it and I would use it myself. But now that it's time for me to be actually using it for some practical purpose. Wait, how did I, there was... No, so... Uh, yeah, how do you do it? Okay, so um, th I think the, th the fact is, if you know that it can be done, then you can obviously just Google it. But um, 
there's there is a thing that you can search for very specific things on YouTube and and because YouTube is such a great tool for teachers for language teachers that's something that maybe all language teachers should be taught how to do yeah okay okay um you've forgotten what your next point is uh yeah well so the other one for example is how to set up an easy website so i've got a class yeah i can set up a, a class website in a couple of minutes we're all on, th- on a website f- thing tool what website thing tool are you talking about? Well, that's the thing. I mean, well, I don't know if you're talking about like a Google Classroom website where you can put links and notifications and schedules and all of that. Or are we talking about... An, an, an actual website. I don't know. I mean, the thing is that, okay, you're talking about a classroom management system. Yes. So LMS, that's what they call it. Sure. Yeah. I'll take your word so for it. So LMSs are things that you... Th- there's a platform of some sort like... Rainbow, okay, whatever, and um, it it allows you to set up the scores, yeah, present language, um, and those LMSs are really difficult to use. There's a steep learning curve in yeah. any case, so you've got to learn how to use them, and you've got to learn what the students can see from the other end of the LMS, and yeah. that, that's a whole thing. Okay, and then there's there are also teachers who have set up websites for their class. Okay, um, and being able to make a simple website and then sending a it out to the students is something I suppose that we should be doing. We should know how to, to use. Yeah, I mean the thing is that that's <clears throat> probably where the future of language teaching online is going to go, possibly. Okay. Um, yeah. So these are the things that I've I've got. Okay. So I've, I'm stealing this from a website about about a website. <laughs> no, about teacher. L- literacy about teacher lang- language teacher literacy skills which these are things that a teacher should know how to do if they're going to be teaching online right and I looked at that and I thought well that's incomplete because there's a whole bunch of other things that I think a teacher should know how to use and do online too so for example I'm teaching a student in China okay so I know how to use Zoom okay because that's the thing that I learned how to use yep um, he doesn't know how to use Zoom or he can't use Zoom or he, Zoom's inaccessible to him for some reason or another. But he can use Teams, Okay. for example. I mean, like one of the other ones that I don't know how to use. And I don't know how to use that. And th- there's this learning curve here. And do I want to invest that kind of time just for one student? And so what we've started doing is we use WeChat. For voice? For talking to each other. Okay, yeah. And then we use emails for sending. I use. I just email okay. the documents. But it means that I have to set up the email documents and then send them to him one at a time. And how does he get back to you? No, well, then he opens the email while I'm sitting on you. Yeah. And then we talk about the thing that I've emailed okay. him. Okay. Um, so then you, you never get to see what I he's doing? I can't see what he's okay, doing. Yeah. No, no. I'm sure that there's a way around this, but I don't know how or why, or where, or who, and I'm sure that if I sat down and Googled what is an alternative to WeChat, um, something would come up. But these are things that I think are going to be the future of teaching online. Okay, I want to derail you slightly. Good. Okay, so there's a million platforms and tools and websites and games and gamification of the tool of the website and the big rainstorm outside which is also part of teaching online when there's a huge thunderstorm and no one can hear you yes okay forget all the platforms instead of thinking about it instead of thinking about them as platforms let's think about them this way 
what skills do I need as a teacher? Uh, we'll get back to the website later. What do I need? What tools do I need to be able to complete this sentence? Well, I was just about to say, what, one of the tools that you need is how to create a question that, uh, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Let me take it back to the classroom for a second. All right. Uh, I'm a teacher, and I'm a language teacher, and I need to know how to concept check. Mm -hmm. Okay. And concept checking entails learning how to ask the types of questions that are comprehensible to the student uh, and yet are reasonably closed-ended so that uh, we can get quick feedback from them. And once I have those tools in place, I know how to do that in the classroom. Now I need somehow I need to uh, I need an I need to be able to concept check, for example. So you're talking about moving these skills into a new into a new arena, yeah. basically. And regardless of what platform you end up using as your concept checking tool, you still need to be able to concept check. Now hang on, are you talking about using a, some sort of digital tool to concept check for you? I'm talking about how do you concept check when you're doing it remotely? Do you need a platform for it oh, or I not? See. Uh, uh, are we assuming that... Um, uh, but why would you need a platform to concept check? Because I asked the 17 black squares on the screen. So would you wear a costume uh, at work or for fun? And the answer is... Yes, okay, all right. So you've got, you're getting no response from a traditional method, yeah. from a traditional approach. So you want some sort of tool. Well, the question is, do I need a tool? Okay, and, if and, there, and is there a tool? No, well, I think there's a million tools. And it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if that tool is WeChat, Zoom, Teams, Meet, Kahoot... Yeah. Or rainbow. Okay, so no, no. Does it fulfill the, the, the educational function that I'm after? Or oh, the classroom oh, function? Oh, okay, so you, you're making a distinction now between the fanciness of the tool and the educational function that the tool serves. Yeah, mm. because at the end of the day, okay, let's say we're using Kahoot and we've taught the students 10 pieces of vocabulary. All right, and we're playing a game on Kahoot. And we're, we're playing a game on Kahoot. Now, in reality, what that, that game is, is probably something like uh, uh, an accuracy check. Yeah. Do they understand the meaning of the words? Right. It's not, uh, we could set up a different one that's testing, do they understand the function of the words, how, how they use, what are their collocates, whatever. But those are the, that's a replacement for a traditional practice exercise. So whether it's done on Kahoot or it's done by email where you, you send the students, here are the 10 words and here are 10 synonyms. Uh, match them. Match them and email it straight back to me. It's still the same thing, whether it's on Kahoot or on email or on flower, bloom, blossom, com, right. edu. So my, my big problem at the moment is that I have all these tools, and some of them are fun. You, know, the, you can't underestimate the novelty factors of stuff in the classroom. Yeah, but there's another thing. I mean, if, if Kahoot, yes, it's a novelty thing, and it's lots of fun, and there's lots of colors, and that's fun. But um, It takes 10 minutes to do a three-minute task. Also, there are functions in Kahoot which I didn't know existed. They, they ran a Kahoot workshop thing for teachers. Okay. And they were showing us stuff that I... Never encountered I never, before, yeah. I, yeah, I never even considered that Kahoot could do that thing. Okay. You know? um, so I think that 
I was thinking, well, maybe what, what, what one should do is learn three platforms. Yeah. And then learn those three three platforms really well, so okay. that you know, like like YouTube. I mean, YouTube is not. I I wouldn't consider YouTube to be a, a teaching a tool. teaching tool. But if you get to know all the things that YouTube can do, then wow, then there's all sorts of stuff that you can do in your class just using that one thing. Um, um yes, all very true. But what? Function is it at the end of the day? What function is it serving? Well, 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 is, is it still just replacing uh, accuracy-based practice tasks? Well, I mean, I think the thing is that you we, we've got to think about what it is that we need the students to be able to do. Yeah, and then find things that will get the students to do yes. those things. Yeah, um, and find a way of monitoring. Because I mean, if the students are doing something, you need to know whether or not they're being done on, or with the students actually doing them. So one of them is getting the students to do them, but one another thing that we need to do is find a way for us to to keep track of what's going on in the student's black box. Yes. Because um, okay. the black box problem is a big problem to me. A huge problem. Okay, so let's let's stick with our, our, our simple vocab matching task. Right. Okay. In the classroom, there's seven different ways that you could do that vocab matching. Yes, you know, yes. uh, draw a line from column A to column B. Well, do it on uh, whiteboard. Write the do word it in next pairs. to it. Do it in pairs. Cut them up on little slips of paper. Throw and, them on the and ground and throw them on the ground. Yeah. Uh, give everybody a word and a synonym and go find your partner. Stick them on the wall Stick and keep. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, the, okay, fine. There are 17 different ways to do it. And of course, there's probably 17 different ways to do that on Kahoot and Yahoo and Moonflower. Yep. But we're still just we we put the variety into the classroom where okay, yes, it's a simple matching, but I'm going to do it a different way because novelty factor keeps people engaged, right? Uh, well, so the novelty problem. Novelty goes away pretty quickly. Yes. And and I don't think that that's something that should actually be taken into consideration. I mean, it's novel only for the first time that you do it, and then it's But if you've novel. got 17 different ways of doing it, oh. you rotate through those no, 17 no, different I've, ways. I've, it, it takes me 16 years to learn one of those 17 ways, so it's, it's not... That's true, but you've been teaching for 77 years, so because of that, you know 17 of them. Okay, well, let's, let's rather think of it this way. So there's 17 different platforms I can do this, this thing on, or I and can use... And each Kahoot of them can be... Used in 17 different ways. So I think that the best way of doing it is to learn one, Kahoot, yep. and then learn 17 ways of manipulating Kahoot to do the 17 things that I'd like it to do. Okay. Is that feasible? Yeah. So uh, instead of 17 different ways of doing the classroom matching task, we've got 17 different ways to do that on Kahoot or whatever platform. Pick, you know. Yes, Padlet. Yeah. Platednosehair.com. Look, the, the thing is that I, if, if, I, if I'm on Zoom yep. and I've got my whiteboard, yep. I can do pretty much everything that I want to do. Yeah. Unless I've got 35 students, then I can't. Mm, yeah. um, uh, but then I could break them up into breakout groups and yeah. they could do... Uh, you know, I mean, the thing is that I can almost run my class like As, a classroom yeah. if I've got access to Zoom. But no, I can't access Zoom everywhere. That's the problem. And even when you can, your students... Uh, one student is on their iPad and they can't find that button. <laughs> and the other student's on their phone. And the other student's camera isn't working today and whatever. So, well, well, okay. So yes, I mean these these are these are troubleshooting issues, and I wonder if these are troubleshooting issues which we're having now because 
everybody's stressing about digital literacy and even the internet system is stressing about it because everybody's using it so much at particular times and you know I, I wonder if these are just things that are going to be ironed out yeah um, so in the same way that um, we used you when you're starting out as a teacher and you made that I'm just sticking to the vocab matching task right. you made it and you okay that's a 10 minute activity but it took 34 seconds or you went that's a 3 minute activity and it took 15 minutes but you learned which ones take how long and which different ways you can do it. And well, it took time. And it took time. But, but the other thing is that as a beginner teacher, I learned how to do that vocabulary matching activity on the board. And then I did the vocabulary activity on the board for four years because that was what I did, right? Yeah. And I didn't realize there were other ways of doing it. So maybe that's the and process. And you're only in your second year of teaching. <laughs> so you're like, well, at this point, I, that really, I really need to get, worry about the things that I can't do rather than worrying about well, I mean, other if, ways to do the things if, that I can. If you find a thing that you can actually do and it works, you just stick to it, right? You don't think that there's an alternative way of doing it. Maybe that's where we're at with, with online stuff. I know yeah, how sure. to do Padlet. So I'm just going to do Padlet for every lesson for the next two years until somebody introduces me to Bloomflower and then I go, oh my God, I can do all these things and more on this new... Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, just like in, an, in a regular staff room, in a good staff room, you go back to your staff room and you say, hey, I did this thing that was really cool or uh, hey, I was trying to do this thing and it didn't work or whatever. And you share your classroom ideas. I've tried to share my online ideas with other teachers, and they, no, I, just, I, I think they shut down. People shut down because it, there's so much and it's so confusing. And they've only just figured out how to, how do, to the do the thing, thing that, that they that right. they figured and, out. And there's another problem as well because this school, let's just say I'm teaching at the school. The grade threes are all on this platform. Yeah. The grade twos are all on that platform for some reason. Because they've got a different head right course coordinator. And the grade ones are all teaching on another platform, and that means that just to keep just to keep your classes running, you've got to learn all these different things. And on this platform, you can't switch to Padlet. You can't go out of the platform. You know, yeah. I mean, so you've learned how to use Padlet, and you you've become an absolute master at it. And now that functionality is is removed from yeah. you, yeah, because you're whatever. And of course, uh, that's much more compounded for the students because, especially oh if, they're, if they're a high school student or a yeah. university student, you know, they've got sixteen different teachers. <laughs> and each teacher is using a different combination of different tasks. Well, I suppose that's the reason why an LMS system is really useful, because if the whole school is on one yeah. LMS, then the students only need to go to one thing, log into one place, and then stay online. You know, um, at one school that I, I was at, they, they've got, I, I can't remember, let's just say Zoom, but the children, they didn't want the children to log out and log into each teacher's. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching the students on, and then I've got to hand over the Zoom to you. So that, means, yeah. so that means that the second teacher has to come in just at the end of the first teacher's class, and then the first teacher hands over administration rights or whatever yeah, it is to the second teacher. Yeah, make that person the host. Right. Yeah. Host, that's it. Yeah. And then the next teacher has to be transferred. And, and if the teacher doesn't transfer hosting skills or whatever to, to the next person, it's a big cock-up. And it was for, for the first week, it was just a big mess. Yeah. Um, lots of fun, though. Yeah, I can see that. And... Uh, I've had some teachers drop in and out of my classes, like my Zoom class or whatever before, and I, I've always really enjoyed them being there in the same way that I enjoy an actual teacher coming to an actual classroom. Hey, this is what I'm doing, and this is what the students are doing, this is what we did, and this is what's next, and this is how. Well, have you ever had a family member drop into 
one of your Zoom classes. I mean, your Zoom. <laughs> I've had my son in a lot of my Zoom, but no. but that's but with that's me. in real, right? That's in yeah. Yeah. I have had a, a student who um, has logged in logged into my class an hour early while I was teaching another class, and I said to the student. Oh, go, uh, sorry. We're, we're we're already in groups. We're doing this thing. We're doing that. And, and you didn't realize it was I didn't realize they were from my my following lesson. And then they fortunately let me know. Also, the reverse is true because of the black square effect. Somebody has to coin a good name for this soon. I think the black square effect is a good name. Okay. Um. So black, uh, Miss Black Square. Had obviously gone to sleep, I don't know, got, decided to go out and do some gardening and was still in my, because it's a four-hour class and I just set up one, it's two two-hour classes, so I just set up one link for everybody and rather than closing one class and starting it again, I just leave it open for the four hours and students leave it and the other students join it and the student just didn't leave because they'd gone off and I have no idea, I mean, is that student there or not? It it makes it worse when the students' names on their little black squares are written in a language that you can't read. Ah, then so you don't actually know who it is. And I've got a, a student who I really like, whose name I will never ever remember because every Zoom lesson, her her name is, you know, monkey in a pink hat. <laughs> well, I have, in, in I have iPad 37. I have a whole I bunch have a of, lot those. of those. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, in a real classroom, you can set up a seating plan and you yeah. go, okay, well, that person's there. So I can't remember her name, but at least I know where she is. Yeah. And then you can refer to it. But, of course, the black squares move around. Um, you, you can rename the students individually. And so I went through and I, I rename, was renaming my, my students because some of them would log in, but I, I knew them enough that I could quickly give, put their real names on there. But it's not a persistent thing. Yeah. Once they've logged out and you restart another class, you've got to do it again. You, you're back to, yeah. All right. So um, today we don't have a, um, a person who's giving us money so that we can talk about them. Uh, <laughs> what, what do we call that? Um, sponsor. Could, okay, sponsor. Instead, because we're talking about digital literacies, I'm going to share a, a site which talks about digital literacies. Oh, so if you're... If you can read the future, see the future, yes. omnipotent, preempitant, what would you call it if you know what's going to happen before you... Pre- 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 precognitive? Okay, so if you're beginning this podcast right now and you're on the first 30 seconds, just don't bother listening, skip to this part, find out what website Steve recommends, and go read that instead, because well, we waffle. Yes, I, well, we did waffle a bit, but the thing is that this website's so busy, it'll take you a half an hour just to find what it is that I'm talking about. So here we go. Um, the person in charge of introducing all this digital literacy stuff to language teachers is called... <laughs> you, Russell Stanard. <laughs> I, I forgot his name. Yeah, I need his little black box to have his name on it. That's what I... <laughs> anyway... And he has uh, a, a website called teachertrainingvideos.com. Oh, okay. And you should visit that. I Because he's got a thing about Padlet and Bloomflower. You know, I hate watching videos about teaching. I prefer to, to read about it. But now that everything's video-based, I should be converting to watching to, people doing it on video so you, I can yeah, see you need and to go, be, I can recreate that. You need to be digital video literate. Yes. 
Tefal fall is proudly brought to you by the non-stop buffalers Troy and Steve. For any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email tefalwafall at gmail.com or visit www.tefalwafall.com.